BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. On the line with us is our old buddy Judd Legum, the founder of Popular.info. He's the former editor-in-chief over at Think Progress's blog. Uh, Popular.info, of course, the website, and you can tweet him at Judd Legum, L-E-G-U-M, J-U-D-D, L-E-G-U-M is his Twitter handle. Judd, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tom. I want to get into the story that you did about purging the vote, and I believe it was yesterday's newsletter. Sure. And, and people can read about this over at Popular.info. But before I dig into that deeply, mm-hmm. I also wanted, you have been absolutely on top of this whole Facebook story for some time now and wondering, you know, what's the latest there? Well, I think that there's some internal debate at the company about whether to stick to this policy of allowing politicians to lie in ads. It hasn't gone over well and is already having a pretty negative impact on the information environment as it stands, but it's likely to get a lot worse, especially as you get closer to election day. That's when really people start launching their negative attacks. So what we learned today, this morning in the Wall Street Journal, is that it's Peter Thiel, who is a right-wing billionaire, member of the Trump transition team, and also a member of the Facebook board, who has really been in Mark Zuckerberg's year and has essentially convinced him to stick to this policy, despite other people, both on the board level, but then we also know people in the rank of file of Facebook who who don't support this policy. Right. And one of the things that kind of suggested is that Zuckerberg himself is turning to the right. He's been hosted a couple of times, I guess, at the White House by by Donald Trump, kind of semi-secretly. And he's been inviting Republican senators out and, and legislators out to his place on the West Coast. Do you think he's about to come out as a, quote, conservative or you know, where this is going? Well, I I don't know how he views himself personally, but I think what he has decided and what the company has decided is their top priority is to avoid regulatory action that will break up the company. And they have decided that aligning themselves with the Republicans is the best way 
to yeah. make that happen. Which makes, makes you know, and so, and so, and so, yeah, and so whatever, whatever the politics are besides that, you know, Zuckerberg himself has, you know, claimed to be, you know, pro-immigration and hold a number of other progressive views, but all of those are being pushed to the wayside because they're really just focused on avoiding regulation and the potential breakup of the company, yeah. which is a real possibility if, uh, if a Democrat is elected in, in 2020. Well, somebody should tell him as the, as the majority stockholder of Facebook that when AT&T was broken up, one year later, anybody who owned one share AT&T stock and ended up with seven shares in the Baby Bells and, and, and Bell Labs actually saw, I believe it was an almost 100% appreciation increase in the value of their stock. Same thing when Standard Oil was broken up into over 20 companies back in the 19, I think it was 1912, ultimately, that Taft finally did that job that the if if you owned a share of standard oil before and then you know and thus owned a share in all the smaller companies that resulted from it you became much much richer i mean you know, the breaking yeah, up big companies sure. produces increased shareholder value dramatically and history is pretty solid about that well anyhow uh, let's get i want to get to this other issue here in georgia brian kemp wants to take over three hundred thousand people off the voting rolls of course he he pulled over a million people off the voting rolls in the uh, years before he ran against Stacey Abrams in that election mm -hmm. and that he won by a whisker. And in Wisconsin, where the uh, Democratic governor was elected with 30,000 votes in the last election and Donald Trump only won by, what well, I think it was 23,000 votes, a judge has ordered 200,000 people to be knocked off the voting rolls. Is that a reasonable summary? And where else is this happening? What's going on here? And how can this be stopped? I mean, whatever happened to having a right to vote? Yeah, it's going on a lot of places. I think Ohio is another big one. Florida oh, they took it to is the another Court. big one. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that it is a fair summary. And the problem is, is that there is, of course, people do move, you know, people mm -hmm. do change their, their address, that there's some process of that you want to make sure that your voting rolls are, are accurate. But basically, what they're doing is taking data that has proven to be inaccurate. I mean, that was the whole thing that happened in Wisconsin. They joined this organization called ERIC, which is actually a pretty good organization because it can help you identify and reach out to people who are eligible to vote but are not yet registered. Mm -hmm. But they also require you to do things where you send out notices to people who, who they found out may have moved. And they did this in 2017, and they found that tens of thousands of people were being incorrectly flagged and kicked off the rolls. So the Democrats and the Republicans on the Wisconsin election board, and it's an even split, unanimously decided that this time they're going to send out the letters, but they're not going to remove anyone for a couple of years right. while they figure out while they figure out if this information is really accurate till 2021. And this is now a judge stepping in, essentially saying, "No, I believe that uh, this data is." Uh, reliable data, and therefore, under uh, Wisconsin statute, you have to uh, remove them within 30 days. So it's it's a big deal, and, and potentially these kinds of decisions very easily could swing 2020 because yeah, you are dealing. You know, Trump only won by 23,000 votes in 2016. So we don't know what's going to happen. It could be close again, could not be. But if it is taking people off the rolls, even a few thousand people that shouldn't be there or 200,000 people, but maybe, you know, 50,000 of those or 25,000 of those are incorrectly removed. That can make a big difference. It seems like there should be a threshold that would have to be proven, met before you remove somebody. I mean, 
they're so cavalier about taking people off the voting rolls. And for for 20 years, this has been a major part of their strategy. I mean, back in 1981, the, the Republican Party was mailing postcards into largely African-American neighborhoods. And when they didn't come back, purging them, that got taken to court. There was a restraining order against the Republican Party for the better part of 20 years, as I recall. It was called caging back then. It was illegal. And then, uh, you know, the Supreme Court legalized this in this case with Ohio recently. And, and it's just like Katie bar the doors. Can you imagine if the Democrats were purging voters in rural areas, how the Republicans would respond? Yeah. And of course, the larger point here is that there is no rush because the idea that, you know, people are moving and then, you know, driving back to their old state and voting illegally, it's just something that does, there's no evidence that that ever really happens. Right. So, so the harm that they're trying to avoid is basically non-existent. But what they are doing is making it more difficult for people to vote. The good thing is in Wisconsin, and if there's anyone like listening from Wisconsin or, or knows people from Wisconsin, even if you are kicked off, you could actually register at the polls that day. Mm. Um, you know, just so, take so you, a you don't get an time, absentee but, ballot. I mean, a provisional ballot, which is a placebo ballot, is what Greg Greg Powell yeah, calls it. You them. don't get that. You can you can go and register. You can go and register and then cast your ballot. Now, obviously, that's another step, and, and every step you add makes it less likely that someone actually does cast their ballot. The Motor Voter Act, forget what year that was passed, but it was you know back in the, somewhere between the 70s and the 90s. The Motor Voter yeah. Act explicitly says that Americans have a right to vote. I believe it's the first piece of legislation that explicitly says that. That provision of it has never been adjudicated, to the best of my knowledge. Is there a voters' rights movement in the United States of any consequence right now? I know, you know, Stacey Abrams has got this this group down in Georgia, but I'm not even sure that they're laser focused on this one thing. You know, like amending the Constitution to say that, you know, it's it's a right of citizenship. Voting is a right of citizenship. Period. Full stop. You know, and I yeah. mean, they could even put in the provision, I suppose, unless you're imprisoned, because the 13th Amendment law allows slavery for people who are convicted of crimes. But with that single exception, maybe, is there a movement to create a, a constitutional amendment, for example? I don't think there's a lot of movement on that. And, and I think you, you make an important point, because what you're really doing now, and there's a lot of good work happening in the states, but you're really plugging holes. You know, maybe you're yeah. able to reverse, and they really were able to, actually, Ohio did an interesting thing where they, they publicly released the data and allowed anyone to kind of check it against other data sets. And some guy at his kitchen table found, oh, look, you, you've incorrectly flagged, you know, 60,000 people. And they right. were able to fix it as a result. So, so there's people doing some good work, uh, both on their own, but also in groups. But, you know, you're kind of fighting a losing battle because you can win one round, but then they'll come back up and, you know, uh, someone who becomes secretary of state or whichever um, organization, you know, whatever entity within that state controls the voting rolls is going to try it again in another state and you've got to fight it again. So they don't, they don't have to win every single time. Uh, but I think over the last decade, certainly you've had increased 
barriers uh, to voting, both this sort of purging of the voting rolls and then, of course, you know, the requirement of bringing an ID with you yeah. um, oh, in order sp- to vote is another sp- big one. Yeah, we spend, you know, millions of dollars, major efforts, huge mobilizations to get people registered to vote. And then the Republicans with just a, you know, a, a brush of the hand, essentially, throw throw hundreds of thousands, millions of people off the voting rolls. It's astonishing. Judd Legum, the website and the news newsletter are uh, popular.info. Judd, thanks for dropping by. Thanks so much. Popular information is the name of the newsletter. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. A few other things in the news. Robert De Niro just came out and you know gave a little riff, and actually it was a, a week or so ago. It's it's been made into a meme, which is now circulating on social media. He says the president is supposed to set an example of trying to do the right thing, not to be a nasty little b-word. Instead, that's what he is. He's a petulant little punk. There's not one other thing. There's not one thing I see in him or his family. Not any redeeming qualities. They're out on the take. It's like a gangster family. And uh, it's something probably we should think about. For example, you know, gangsters, they, they surround themselves with people who are loyal to them. Listen to this. This is from uh, Cousin IT over at Democratic Underground. Well, actually, it's Carolyn Zhang writing at citizensforethics.org. President Trump's hand-picked IRS commissioner, Charles Rettig, earns as much as $1 million in rental income from the Trump-branded properties he co-owns while facing demands from Congress to release Trump's tax returns. When Trump nominated Rettig to lead the IRS in February of 2018, Rettig initially failed to disclose that the Hawaii real estate he owned was at a Trump-branded property. And this, uh, of course, at the very least, raises serious ethics questions. I've mentioned the 200,000 voters that the judge in Wisconsin wants to knock off the voting rolls. Here's another one. Donald Trump says that he thinks that he's going to skip the debate. He says, three years ago, they were forced to publicly apologize for modulating my microphone in the first debate against crooked Hillary. As president, the debates are up to me. I'll make a decision at an appropriate time. But in the meantime, the Commission on Presidential Debates is not authorized to speak for me or the Republicans. Hmm. Methinks Donald Trump is afraid of a debate. Which is another interesting question. Do you think that Trump, the the debates would hurt Trump or help him? I mean, it was debates that made him the Republican nominee. And I think you could say, although after every one of his three debates with Hillary Clinton, his popularity went down and hers went up, the difference was just small. I mean, it was one or two points. None of them had huge swings. On the other hand, it's been, or it'll have been, four years, and the guy is, you know, getting deep into his 70s now, and he's starting to have these episodes where his speech gets slurred, and he forgets what he's saying, or he can't pronounce words like origins, comes out as oranges. He may be thinking, and he may be right, that going into a debate under those circumstances would be a bad idea. What do you think? We used to think New Year, New Me. Yeah, right. Uh, More like New Year, New Wrinkles. With every passing year, we all look older. But now that's all changed thanks to this magic in a bottle, Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum. It's like you turned back the clock instead of ringing in another new year. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. All you have to do is apply this powerful serum to problem areas, and within 10 minutes, voila, a new you! 
And the best part is, there's no surgery or Botox involved. It's all natural. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results, and you will be too. Ring in 2020 with confidence, knowing Plexiderm is going to give you smooth, younger-looking skin in minutes. Best part is, it goes on clear, so nobody even knows you're using it. Say bye-bye bags and wrinkles and hello to the new you. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code HARTMAN with two N's for 50% off plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code HARTMAN. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code HARTMAN with two N's at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code HARTMAN. So one by one, Democrats who are who were elected in districts that went to Trump are coming out in favor of impeachment. The most recent recent is uh, Alyssa Slotkin of Michigan, Democrat from Michigan in a district that heavily went for Trump. She used to be a CIA analyst. And she said, uh, I took a step back, looked at the full body of available information and tried to make an objective decision on my vote. And then, you know, she goes through, she actually wrote an op-ed for the Detroit Free Press laying out exactly why she voted and how she's voting. I'm not sure that we can expect the same from any Republican, whether in the House or the Senate. There is a debate within the Democratic caucus about whether they should include any Republicans, you know, if if any are, are willing, perhaps Justin Amash of Michigan, although he got kicked out of the party, basically, when he came out in favor of impeaching Trump over the Mueller report. But I think having Justin Amash uh, participate in this thing would be a really, really uh, strong, strong idea. Ivan, you had some thoughts about Trump and debating. I've been really scratching my head on this one. I'm, my personal opinion is if he doesn't participate in the debates, that'll probably work to his benefit. But I could be completely wrong. What do you think, Ivan? Hey, Tom. A couple of weeks ago, Bernie sat down with the editors and reporters at the Des Moines Register newspaper Mm -hmm. for an interview, answered all their questions beautifully and succinctly. I hope all your listeners, Tom, will go to YouTube and pull up that interview where they will see that Bernie would crush Trump in a debate. Mm. In my opinion... There is no way Trump will ever have the guts to debate Bernie if he is the nominee. Yeah, I think you're right. What if Joe Biden is the nominee? Do you think Trump would debate him? He might not, because uh, I think Biden is Trump-esque in his debating style. So I don't think anyone else would be able to hold their own against Trump. Oh, I think Elizabeth Warren could easily hold her own against Trump. Yeah. Uh, my guess is that Pete Buttigieg could also. Just giving down. you my opinion, Tom. Yeah. Well, I know one thing. Bernie would crush him. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bernie is sharp. He knows his points. I mean, he's been living them for 50, 60 years, ever since he was a teenager. Bernie has been rooted, grounded in these issues. And, exactly. So. And that's why I hope and pray. Uh, again, I ask all your listeners, go to YouTube and search the Des Moines Register interview with Bernie Sanders. It's about an hour-long interview, yeah, and it's just beautiful. Okay. Thank you, Ivan. I'll Thank check you. that out. I appreciate the call and the, and the recommendation. And interesting thoughts on the debate. Yeah, I think Bernie would, would wipe the floor with Donald Trump. I think Elizabeth Warren would, too. We'll see. 
Hey, Tom Hartman here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that we have an absolutely free newsletter. You can subscribe to it over at TomHartman.com. And every day, Sue, who works on our newsletter, puts together what we call Sue's Daily Stack. It's literally a link to every story I have referenced on the air in the program. And she compiles these throughout the program and then gets the newsletter together and it goes out an hour or two after the show is off the air. And it's just absolutely extraordinary and something I think you'll find really useful. So check it out at TomHartman.com. Right now on the line with us is uh, former Congressman Alan Grayson, our old buddy. He uh, represented the 9th District of Florida. He has a new book out. It's called High Crimes, the Impeachment of Donald Trump. And you can tweet him at Alan Grayson. Um, Congressman, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. It's great having you with us. Tell us about the book. Well, the book is an historical review of every single American who has ever been impeached, measuring up their crimes and misdemeanors against Donald Trump's. And honestly, objectively, being dispassionate about this, Trump is worse than every single one of them. And you're you going can find historical analogies, but he's worse than all of them. I mean, you're going through people like Alcee Hastings, Sir Francis Bacon, John C. Calhoun, Spiro Agnew. I'm looking at the table of contents of your book. So let's start with bribery. I believe that's the first part of your book. Yes, but there's closer historical analogies to what's happening right now. You know who Rob Blagojevich is. Yeah. Did you know that one of the reasons why Rob Blagojevich was put out of office is because of something very similar to what Trump did in Ukraine? You mean why he lost the election or why he was impeached or why impeached, he was such a president? I mean, yes, he was impeached and, and sent to prison for selling the Senate appointment that Barack Obama made available to him when Barack was elevated to the presidency. Correct. But he was also impeached and convicted, Blagojevich, that is. He was also impeached and convicted because there was a reporter at the Chicago Tribune that he really hated. The Chicago Tribune parent company wanted a $150 million loan from the state. Is it starting to sound familiar? Mm-hmm. And he would not allow the loan until they fired that reporter. He was impeached, Whoa. convicted, and removed from office because of that. Whoa. And Trump is talking about pardoning him right now, by the way. That's right. Birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. I'll give you another example. A governor of Texas was impeached and removed from office. He had a political opponent, someone who ran against him, like Biden is trying to run against Trump. And what happened with him was that after he lost the election, he joined the University of Texas as a member of the journalism school, Ferguson was very upset about this. In order to get back at him, he zeroed out the entire budget, vetoed the entire budget for the University of Texas because they refused to fire him. These are the kinds of abuses of power that you see through history that Trump is engaged in by withholding $400 million plus from Ukraine uh, unless they investigated Biden. Yeah. Well, he's also, I mean, he's withholding money from a lot of federal agencies, but I think that's more he's just pursuing a kind of cokehead agenda, the, you know, cutting back on the EPA and auctioning off more federal lands and, you know, cutting up our national parks and all these kinds of things. I'm not sure those are impeachable. Oh, yeah. those, those are more like he's back to Reaganism. In fact, from the House committee, you know, the report just came out overnight, basically. And it explicitly says that Donald Trump committed the crimes of bribery and wire fraud. Your thoughts on that? Well, that's true, and it's not the only time either. But bear in mind that in order to commit a constitutional high crime or misdemeanor, 
You simply have to abuse the privilege of office or do something that means that you should not be in a position of honor and trust under the Constitution. It's not necessary that he be found guilty of a specific crime in the criminal code. The fact that you have the position is enough to give you that kind of exposure and have you subject to being impeached for high crimes. And it is a high crime. Only the president of the United States can do what he did, withhold money from a foreign government unless they intervene and try to investigate one of his political opponents. That is what makes it a high crime. It doesn't make any difference if it's a low crime under the Constitution, meaning a crime that's subject to the criminal code. Right. Well, and and at the time that the Constitution was written, there literally was no criminal code. <laughs> that, that's, 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 what, true too. that's what Congress started doing in 1789 when they first convened, was create the criminal code. But impeachment was right, already there in the document. So the highest law of the land was the Constitution, and at the very beginning of our country, it was the only law of the land. Right. The Constitution specifically says that treason and bribery, treason being defined in the Constitution, are bases for removing someone from office, impeaching and convicting him and removing him from office. But then there's the broader category of high crimes and misdemeanors. And misdemeanors aren't things that you have to be president to do. For instance, over and over again, we've had people impeached or removed from office for misconduct that you don't have to be a federal judge or president or a vice president to do things like, for instance, tax evasion. Uh, Things like, for instance, sexual misconduct. Eric Greitens, the governor of Missouri, was removed from office just two years ago for sexual misconduct with one woman. And now Trump, uh, what is the number now based upon the new book that came out? He's in the 70s now, right? In the 70s? No, no, no. Right, right. Uh, My book uh, documents 35 cases of sexual misconduct by by Trump. But there's another book out right now. That, that goes much higher than that. Oh, that's I guess it's about 20, women, about 20 women who are actually suing him. Uh, some, yes, uh, quite a number suing him, but there's been plenty, many more documented cases of this, and Greitens right. was removed from office because of sexual misconduct with one woman. Which raises an interesting question. You know, the Bill Clinton impeachment, at least the final phase of it, began in a really big way with Paula Jones suing Bill Clinton in civil court. It wasn't a criminal indictment. It was a civil indictment. And that led to the discovery of Monica Lewinsky and, you know, the rest was history. What's the status of these 20-some-odd lawsuits by various women against Donald Trump? Have they all been put on hold because he's president? I mean, the Paula Jones lawsuit was certainly not put on hold. No, but actually what Clinton was actually impeached for was not the the allegations in the lawsuit, but rather his supposed obstruction. And again, in Clinton's case, we're talking about obstruction in a civil case not related to his professional conduct, in which uh, Clinton allegedly got two witnesses to testify or or attempted to get them to testify differently from what they would have otherwise testified on the truth. In Trump's case, there's dozens. And these, these dozens are because he, as President of the United States, has ordered them not to testify. There's a far stronger case for obstruction of justice against Trump than there's been literally against anybody, against Clinton or against anybody else, of the three or four or five people who faced obstruction of justice charges 
in our history. We're talking with former Florida Congressman Alan Grayson. He's got a new book out. It's called High Crimes, the Impeachment of Donald Trump. Impeachbook.com. It'll be live later today. Oh, cool. Impeachbook.com. Impeachbook.com. You've done a brilliant job of explicating this in both your book and, you know, just in the last 10 minutes here on this program, you know, with your essentially lawyer and historian hats on. If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you to put on your politician hat. You swam in our political waters for some time and did so rather well and rather famously, you know, in particular, you're going after the Republicans for their health care policy. Don't get sick. And if you do die quick. But how do you see this playing out politically? Uh, we've got the House of Representatives is presumably going to have a vote, uh, huge rallies all across the United States Tuesday night. But how do you see this playing out in the House and then in January in the Senate? Well, let me point in a couple of things. First, historically, Andrew Johnson was impeached and survived by one vote in the Senate. And people don't realize this, but six weeks afterward, the Democratic Party, his party, had a national convention, and he ran for re-election and got one-seventh of the vote in his own convention six weeks after he just narrowly escaped impeachment and conviction. He was politically hurt and held accountable by the impeachment, even though it didn't end in his conviction and removal from office. The same thing is true Richard Nixon. I mean, you could see the polls week by week and month by month. As the case was laid out against Richard Nixon in public through the impeachment proceedings, uh, his polling got worse and worse. In fact, it ended up not too far away from where we are already with Donald Trump. Uh, at, at the time of uh, his actual removal from office, 58 percent of the public thought that he should be impeached or removed. We are now consistently seeing polls regarding Trump's impeachment and removal that are above 50 percent. Right. So, and, and it was only 42 percent in July of last year. It was yeah. only 42 percent. And, and that's what makes me crazy. In six months, it's gone from 42 percent to 50 percent for both impeaching and removing from office. And yet the media keeps saying, well, all this work that Democrats are doing isn't moving the polls. Sure looks like it is to me. Well, not only that, there are harbinger polls that are much older than that. Two years ago, there was a poll that was done, a national public poll that was done, that said should Donald Trump impeach removed from office because of the sexual misconduct? 52% of Americans said yes two years ago. Whoa. So how does this play out in the Senate? Well, it can play out one of two ways. It can play out where the Republicans try to treat this as a political exercise, and they remain in line. And they do what Trump wants them to do. And there have been some cases of that historically, but by far what's happened primarily historically is that the Senate, even when dealing with the three presidential impeachments that we've had that have gotten through Congress, even with regard to those, typically it has not been a party line vote. Typically what's happened is that people in the Senate uh, treat it like what it is, that they're jurors trying to decide a case against the president. But both McConnell and, and Lindsey Graham. Either way. Uh, McConnell runs the Senate. Lindsey Graham runs the Judiciary Committee. Both of them have said they don't, you know, their minds are already made up and they're not going to let Trump get impeached, period, full stop. We'll see. I mean, you know, McConnell has been known to change his mind and he had a powerful reason to do that this week because this week the new Democratic governor of Kentucky restored voting rights 
to the 27% of African-American men who don't have the right to vote in Kentucky or didn't before this week uh, because they were convicted felons. That's going to be a hard time for, for McConnell next year when he's on the ballot and runs for re-election. We'll right. see how he really feels if he wants Trump on the ballot with him. Plus, Amy McGrath is a hell of a candidate. I mean, she's really something. Congressman Alan Grayson, his new book, High Crimes, The Impeachment of Donald Trump, impeachbook.com is the website. Congressman, thank you for dropping by. Thank you very much, Tom. Great talking with you again. If you couldn't sleep because of an uncomfortable mattress, you'd buy a new one. So why do you keep sitting in that same uncomfortable office chair day after day? It's time to give yourself or a loved one the gift of comfort and productivity by upgrading to an X chair. With patented dynamic variable lumbar support, you will appreciate the X chair's difference the very first time you sit down in one. Make an investment with a guaranteed return this year. Improve your comfort and productivity with the world's finest office chair, the X chair. Your body and your bottom line will thank you. X chair is now on sale for $100 off. Go to xchairtom.com now. That's the letter X chair, Tom, T H O M.com, or call 1 844 4X chair. Next year has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, Tom, T-H-O-M.com, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. Go to xchairtom.com and use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. That's xchairtom.com. The uh, former deputy minister of foreign affairs for the government of the country of Ukraine has now, according to the New York Times, said that back in July, before Donald Trump's July 25th phone call to Zelensky, way before that phone call, they knew that he had frozen that aid, that $400 million aid package. We had this information, she told the New York Times. It was definitely mentioned there were some issues in other words, they knew. So when Trump said, you know, when Zelensky said, you know, we really we're ready for that, you know, for those missiles now, Trump said, well, but we want a favor, though. They knew. Zelensky knew exactly what Trump was talking about. And here's where it gets really weird. Our Congress voted to send about $100 million in military aid to Lebanon. $105 million to assist the Lebanese armed forces, the army of the country to reduce the role of Hezbollah and to plan for the possibility of an invasion by Russia. And Trump froze that money. And nobody knows why. And it wasn't until the media came out a couple of weeks ago and the week before Thanksgiving, the Washington Post, the New York Times did stories about how, oh, we found another country where, where Trump has frozen the money. And it's also, you know, apparently a country that's having some kind of conflict with Russia. And Trump has frozen the money in Lebanon. And as soon as the news reports came out, he unfroze the money. So we don't know if he's trying to get them to help him out in an election or what he's doing, where it's going, what it's all about. The other thing I wanted to talk about, you know, very briefly, and also toss out for your commentary, if you'd like. In Wisconsin, about three million people voted in the 2016 election, just short of 3 million. And Trump won by about 23,000 votes. In the election for the governor's race, which just happened in 2018, Tony Evers, the Democrat, 
defeated an incumbent Republican governor by only 30,000 votes. So that's how close Wisconsin is. So back in October, the Wisconsin Election Commission sent a letter to 234,000 people. In Madison and Milwaukee, Madison, well-educated college town, state capital, I believe it is, Milwaukee has the largest African-American and Hispanic population in the state of Wisconsin. They got twice as many of these letters as the rest of the state, maybe even four times as many. The letter says, and I'm, I'm reading from the letter, the actual letter, if you still reside at this address, please use one of the following three options below to confirm basically that you still live here and you're a registered voter. Click the gray My Voter Info button at myvote.wi.gov and enter your first, last name, and date of birth. Click the search button and click the green confirm button. Or vote in the next election. Or sign and return the postcard at the bottom of this letter by mail or in person to your clerk. So most people getting this letter said, Okay, I, you know, I don't want to go online. That's a hassle. I got the letter because I'm registered to vote. I haven't moved, and I intend to vote in the next election. So if I vote in the next election, they'll continue to have me on the roll. And in fact, that was the plan, that people who didn't return the card and didn't vote in the 2020 election would be removed in 2021 after the election. But then this right-wing legal foundation, or this right-wing group of lawyers, it's called Will was created in 2011 with the help of a half million dollar grant from the Lynn and Harry Bradley Foundation. The Bradley Foundation is, they have 600 million bucks in assets and they quote, provide a cornerstone for the conservative movement in Wisconsin and across America. And they sued saying, no, anybody who didn't send back a card, their name has to be immediately taken off the voting rolls, immediately, just in time for the next election. And last Friday, right after I got off the air, Wisconsin Judge Paul V. Malloy ruled in favor of Will, of this right-wing group, and these three Republican voters who said anybody who doesn't send the card back, particularly those black people in Milwaukee and those liberals in Madison, need to be purged from the Wisconsin voting rolls. He issued a writ of mandamus ordering the Election Commission to, do, to purge more than 200,000 people. They sent out 234,000 letters, and only a couple thousand cards came back. Because it said, if you vote, you're good. In fact, while Madison and Milwaukee account for 14% of the registered voters in Wisconsin, they receive 23% of the letters, almost, almost twice as many of the letters, which means that the people in rural areas got half as many of the letters, which actually isn't a two-to-one ratio. I think it's a four-to-one ratio if I'm doing my math right. So you've got that. And then over in Pennsylvania, I mean, they just had this vote. This was a week and a half ago. Vote totals in a Northampton County judges race showed one candidate, Abe Casas, a Democrat, had just 164 votes out of 55,000 ballots across more than 100 precincts. Turns out that the e ESNS uh, voting machines failed to count the votes of 26,142 Democrats who voted for this Democrat. And when they did a recount using just the paper ballots, the Democrat won. Whereas in the initial reporting, the Democrat only got 164 votes. Lost badly. I have a bad feeling about this coming election. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And the solution to it is for us to all wake up and start becoming election activists really aggressively. Richard in Sanford, Colorado. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? 
Well, quite a few things, but I first of all want to say thank you so much for the work that you do on behalf of the Fourth Estate. You know, the media is the only business that's mentioned in the Constitution, and what you're doing is crucial. Thank it's you. It's very important, and I appreciate it. You're welcome. Secondly, I wanted to say that Trump supporters are more like insane clown posse fans than Grateful Dead fans. I don't know what insane clown posse. Is that a thing or is that just a phrase? That's actually a Detroit, Michigan-based band and cultural phenomenon. Uh -huh. They're often called deplorable. They relish that designation. And so the Trump supporters fit in the, what is it, like in the pattern right -wing of heavy ICP metal? fans. Pardon me? Is it like right-wing heavy metal? Uh, no, it's a gutter punk absurdity almost. Like Amazing. The Grateful Dead fans, uh, you say what you will about them, but they weren't deplorable by any means. Yeah, they were no, some you're right. wonderful people. You're right, and, and it wasn't even a cult. It was, it was more like, you know, enjoyment. People were not going to get angry. They were not going to change the world. They were going absolutely. to basically get high and listen to some good music. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. so um, today you brought up some really important things uh, using your power of the, uh, the media. Voting rights, I think, are crucial. We need to get paper ballots as a national protection for our vote and uh, we, well, need we need to, to, we need to enshrine sure a right to vote in the Constitution or at least in law. The 1993 yeah. Motor Voter Act starts out by saying the it is the right of every American to vote but that has never gone through the Supreme Court essentially and in fact the Supreme Court has fought voting rights. I mean you know they gutted the Voting Rights Act. Uh, on a deeper level than I do, but I just recognize that we need to protect our vote. We need to make sure that there's a paper ballot so we can't be subjected to hacking. Which brings me to, I mean, you, you had a caller that talked about his Cuban grandfather or his Cuban father, and, and he mentioned the progressive grandchildren of that Don Francisco um, mm. that came from Cuba after the revolution and how the Don had become very Republican and supported Trump, but those those grandchildren, they're progressive. He mentioned that. And, and I called really today to, to, to point out that we need to register the youth for the revolution in the voting booth. There you we go. need to get young people out and not try and convince Trump supporters. Uh, I think we can do both. Come on. Come on, Richard. We can walk and chew gum. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Laura in uh, Champaign, Illinois. Hey, Laura, thank you for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Yeah, these Trump supporters are a wide variety of personalities. I think that some of them will be able to see the truth in what's going on, and they will be persuaded to vote against Trump in the next election. But these supporters, in general, remind me of football fans who support their teams no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but there's a real consequential difference. I was a fan of the Detroit Tigers. Well, I have been all my life. I grew up in Michigan. You know, they're a great baseball team, and I love to watch their games. Uh, they lost for decades, and you continue to support them. It doesn't hurt the nation. It didn't hurt the state. But supporting Trump is actually something that is destructive to America, in my opinion. But their personalities are similar, I think. 
these people, there are people who go to these rallies, and I'm sure that they're just curious, some of these people. Well, there's a small core of them that actually go from... It's like the Grateful Dead. There's actually a core, and there's a debate about how, you know, how many people it is. It's a tightly held secret in Trump land. But whether it's, you know, 5% of the audience or whether it's 50% of the audience, he's got a group that follow him from, from rally to rally, just like the Grateful Dead had, you know, the people who followed them. Just like this hardcore, they're like Jim Jones fans. Oh, absolutely. You know, when over 60% of the Trump supporters say that they would support him no matter what, you know, it's very disturbing. Yeah, there was a remarkable study that came out a couple of weeks ago, I think maybe last week, that found that 40% of Republican registered Republican voters say that if Donald Trump wants to do something over the objections of Congress or the Supreme Court, he should be allowed to. Right. That's yeah, called dictatorship. No matter what. Yeah, but, literally. You know, if there are some borderline Trump supporters out there who can be you know, persuaded to see the to truth and them. vote against him, we yeah. need to reach out to those yeah. people. I, You're I, right. I agree, Laura. I agree. I, but mm-hmm. that that 40%, that's that's a shocking number. I, you know, I figured it would have been a half that or even a fifth of that. Laura, thank you for the call. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Ken in Elkton, Maryland. Hey, Ken, what's on your mind today? I got a friend across the street, and it, like you're saying, some of these Trump people, they get brainwashed or whatever. He's a nice guy, but he's talking now. Uh, he'll be happy when the Civil War starts. Oh, my you God. Know? And crazy thing. And I said to him, so what, you, you would shoot me? And then he just didn't say anything. And whenever you talk to him to try and bring up facts or anything, they always, oh, I don't want to talk politics. And that's generally how I was raised, don't talk politics, right. you know. But then you've talked so much about the science and everything like this, and he's a hunter. And so and you talk about the green, you know, the global warming and everything. And even that, you try and talk that to them about, oh, it's all blown. It's all blown. They fall for all this stuff that, like you were talking about, Fox News or whatever, wherever they're getting information. He's a Fox News guy and his mom and all them. <clears throat> but it's just people don't, they don't get it. You know, you can show right to in their face the truth, whether it's about the the environment or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and it's, well, that's because they live in a world huge. that is constantly reinforcing these these falsehoods, <laughs> these lies that they're exactly. believing. You know, the, the climate change is just a hoax. And, uh, you know, that uh, the air and water are cleaner than they've ever been and that we don't need the EPA anymore and that the pork industry will self-regulate. They don't need any, uh, we don't need no stinking inspectors and all this other stuff. And it's all, and Donald Trump came right out and told him, and I bring that up to some of these guys too, when he first started with Andrea Mitchell, that I guess that was sort of how he told, told her straight up, if you keep saying a lie long enough, people will believe the lie. Isn't yeah. that basically what he said? Well, I don't, I don't recall Trump saying that, but certainly that's what Adolf Hitler said. I mean, he wrote that in Mein yeah. Kampf. He was talking to Andrea Mitchell, I believe I was her, and that's exactly what he said to her. And I don't know if you can go back and check it out or anything, but, and that's exactly what he told her. Huh. And that's what they, they all do, or the, the people, Fox News, Hannity, or whatever, they keep telling the yeah. same baloney, and they know it's baloney, and they, and they keep on, and people, like, get brainwashed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a real tragedy. It really is. And, and and then the environment, that little girl comes out and speaks, and this guy comes out and belittles the little girl, and I have grandkids and so forth. You talk about working-class people. I've been busting my butt forever. I'm 48 years old. I remember my father, 
he worked, and on Saturdays you worked to make extra money to go camp, take us camping, and so forth. So now, if you ain't making a thousand dollars a week, you ain't making it. Yeah. yeah. So as far as the Civil War crap goes, when people can't buy shoes for their kids and put food in their mouth, that's when people maybe see it the light of how they've been misled well and that's and, that's the and, thing and, the, the, you know the crash the great crash of the 1930s or, it, it or brings late people together well in a way or, yeah i mean it brought people together around fdr but it also brought people together around hitler and, and so leadership really matters and that's why i think this election is so important because we're we're on the edge i think of the next great crash ken thank you for what? the call well said jay in scottsville virginia hey jay what's on your mind today i wonder how many people when they take an oath to the Constitution, recognize that they're taking an oath to the intention of the Constitution, the maintenance of domestic tranquility, because our Constitution is an anthropological document, and maintenance of domestic tranquility is um, the environment in which we advance into the infinite capacity of natural science knowledge um, we now have been supplied with a, um, a chaos monster that provides the perfect capacity of confirming bias towards what allows us to self-destruct that we've been so, doing. So, Jay, you're, you're arguing that, that Republicans have betrayed the principles of the preamble of the Constitution? Is that what you're saying? The preamble has been avoided assiduously by lawyers who attempt to call it something beside the law and order condition of the Constitution. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Jay, well said. Thank you very much. James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, James, what's up? How you doing, Tom? Good. Uh, first off, I'd like to thank you for being given a platform for liberal Democrats like me to be able to voice my opinion. Okay. The reason I called, and by the way, Elizabeth Warren would make Trump look like an idiot. Yeah. I, I really believe that. I agree. But the reason I called today, I ran in, uh, I'm a steel worker from western Pennsylvania, and uh, our mills have been shut down for years now. Mm. And I ran into my local president today and another friend of mine that worked with me for years. Now, these guys, these guys are about six years older than me, and when I started out in the mill, I kind of looked up to them because of the strong union words that they talked. And in fact, the one guy a long time ago told me about how conservatives turns into a little bit of a fascism. The further they go to the right, the worse they get. Mm -hmm. So I basically said to him, I said, what do you think of Trump? And they says, oh, he's the greatest president this country's ever had. And I said, I was in shock. I'm talking to an ex-president of my local. And I said, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. And the president said that this man is great. He goes, he's a smart businessman. He's a genius. I said, I thought at first they may be joking with me, but mm. they weren't joking. Yeah. They are all in on Trump. And it's kind of shocking. But around this area in western Pennsylvania, I get in conversations. I go to the Y all the time, and I get in conversations, and it's strong for Trump. Yeah. And it's it. And this used to be a strong Democratic Union area yeah. of where I live, and it's totally turned. 
Well, this our, is this is Fox County News. Is, you know, Fox News is free on basic cable. They're basically in every household in America, and it's 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 a little bit of poison that some people touch. But you, but you would think that I would be able to reason and say you you, you got to look at what he what he's doing and he goes well everything and the ex-president said where everything he's doing is great look at the economy it's booming look at and you can't argue with them that's that's the thing it's like the roaring 20s but the the economy like in the roaring 20s is only booming for the top 10 percent you know the the bottom 90 percent are screwed but james i get it i get it and i you know i'm sorry to hear your situation and i hope someday these guys can be awakened um, but, I don't you know, think so. Yeah, it, as long as they keep watching Fox News, they probably won't. James, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. I appreciate it. And thanks, thanks for watching us on your Roku box, in fact. Uh, we'll be right back. Continue our conversations here today. Uh, speaking the truth, the multinational corporations would really rather you didn't know. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Tim in Aloha, Oregon. Hey, Tim, you wanted to go back to the evangelicals? Yeah, you know, I've been out home for a while, but, you know, basically, if there was ever a time in our society, what we need is a, a separation of church and state. It's it's a critical aspect of what we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing what's happening in terms of the religious nonsense in this country. And then you see the effects of climate change killing people in these massive uh, storms. You see all these poor people being... Uh, uh, killed by all these this gun violence and stuff. And what what's the first thing? I, first and last phrase that comes out of everybody's mouth after they're on TV are thoughts and prayers. That's sure doing a lot of good, isn't it? Yeah, I th- I think that phrase has been kind of uh, uh, you know they had to abandon it after the Newtown massacre. Those kids just would not tolerate it anymore. And I think yeah, that was a turning point. It, you know. Yeah, but and it's what we need. What we what we simply need. And this follows some of the stuff you were talking at while I was on hold. Was we need a pragmatic, scientific, agnostic approach to the world's problems, not just the U.S. Yeah. You know, that's what we need because otherwise, if we don't approach it in that in a logical. Uh, ethical manner, what we're doing is putting band-aids on everything. Yeah, you're talking about the ideals of the Enlightenment. I mean, you know, the, these were the, these were the ideals that were developed in the 1600s that came, uh, that created the United States in the 1700s that uh, ultimately were fought over during the Civil War in the 1800s um, that led to the enfranchisement of women in the 1900s and the Civil Rights Act. And, and now in the 2000s are being largely forgotten or ignored. Uh, you know, it's, right. it's, you know when, when Reagan, uh, you know, uh, Bill Bennett took uh, the, re- the requirement for civics education out of our public schools in the 1980s. Yeah. Um, then we're condemned to repeat it. You see what yeah, I mean? That's yeah. What that's what we're in, yeah. A, a prime example, and we've talked about this before, if you look at the turn of the century, McKinley, who was a financial conservative, he was in the back pockets of the Mellons and the Rockefellers. Yep. The best thing that ever happened, unfortunately, is that you know, he was assassinated in uh, September of one. but Roosevelt got in there. Look at the first 20 years of the 20th century. Women's right to vote, income tax, state and federal parks. You could go on and on and on, you know. Yeah. It, it built... Inheritance tax. Build a middle class that was that was re reinstituted after the Marshall Plan. Yep. You see what I mean? Yep. And it, the Tillman Act, which involved it, which banned uh, donations in federal elections. Yeah, all of it, right. all of it. Thanks yep. a lot, Tim. Good to hear from you, Rob in Mesa, Arizona. Hey, Rob, what's up? 
Hey, not much. Uh, hey, one, one first thing I want to get out is anytime they bring up Hunter Biden, people have to bring up Trump Jr. Because yeah. he was never questioned in front of the grand jury for Mueller yep. over that whole Trump Tower thing. And why is that? Yep. Um, the other thing I'd like to bring up is uh, this administration is bringing the uh, impeachment to a new level. Because what we're, we're, we're fighting now is a Republican crime party. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a, a Senate who thinks the president's above the law. You have an attorney general that thinks the president's above the law. How do you combat that? We almost need to expand out the impeachment to include some of these uh, senators and the attorney general after this. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, that'll be just viewed as naked politics. But I do think, you know, uh, Adam Schiff has made it very clear. He's going to, and so so is Jerry Nadler, they're going to continue their investigations. They're going to keep going on this thing. And so, you know, I think this trial in the Senate is going to cast Trump in a very bad light. I I was I was very encouraged to hear Alan Grayson point out that uh, after Andrew Johnson survived the impeachment, he tried to stand for reelection for his own party. And he got one seventh of the support he had before because the impeachment had so tarnished his reputation. And, uh, you know, let's hope the same thing happens with Trump. Rob, thanks a lot for the call. It's good to hear from you. We'll be right back. It's uh, 10 minutes before the hour. In our special video over at TomHartman.com, I am talking about how the House Democrats are coming up with basically, so far what we know is they're, they're basically going to come up with this one big impeachment story, which is that Donald Trump was running a bribery and extortion scheme with Ukraine or against Ukraine in order to flip the 2020 election, in order to help get himself reelected. And that's pretty bad. But we're missing a whole bunch of things that I think, frankly, should be included in the articles of impeachment, uh, whether it's defying campaign finance laws, you know, Stormy Daniels and, and Karen McDougal, or whether it's uh, the emoluments uh, stuff. This is, you know, explicitly barred by the Constitution, um, whether it's defying Congress, whether it's refusing to follow the law uh, that says that, for example, the head of the Ways Means Committee uh, gets to see his taxes. Check it out at TomHartman.com. Well, welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And uh, Mike in, is it Quilcene, Washington? Am I saying that right, Mike? You are. Hey, what's up? Hey, not much. I was listening to your show. I love it. Thank you. I like what you do there. I watched all the investigations and all that, and I kept... I saw two complete, and you pointed this out too, two complete narratives. We have, like, the Democrats following our Department of Justice, FBI, all their reports. And then we have the Republicans following this Russian agenda. And why, in all that, did not anybody ask the Republicans specifically, why are you not believing our intelligence agency? Yeah. It could have been a real moment. And it may still happen. I mean, keep in mind, all the back and forth and all the fighting and all the, you know, squirrely stuff that we saw in the various committees, in the Intelligence Committee and the Judiciary Committee on TV, I think at least some of that anyway is going to be repeated when the entire House votes on the articles of impeachment. There's going to be, at least in miniature, right, there's going to be one person and maybe more who stands up and says, this is why we're indicting the president, which is what an impeachment is. And then there's going to be somebody from the Republican Party who's going to stand up and say, and this is why we say that that indictment is meaningless or shouldn't be, shouldn't be voted for. 
And hey, right, but they, but they don't provide any proof. Like you, like you're saying, that one indictment would be yes, this is this is the issue here, and but we're following the the directives or the information from our intelligence agencies, not. Right. Right, and they're following a completely separate narrative. But they they say the narrative you we heard it over and over all the way back to crowd uh, anyway all that stuff. Yeah, and it, it's a complete false narrative, and they just do it. And but nobody says why are you doing it. That's yeah. what I haven't heard. Why, well, why are you? I'm guessing they're doing it because there's a political power involved and b big bucks involved, and and that's a oh, whole absolutely. whole second level. I mean, you know, Lev Parnas has been passing out uh, Ukrainian and Russian oligarch money apparently to Republicans for years, and it's not even being investigated yet. No. But uh, there's some serious stuff here, uh, you know. I think, Mike, I got I got to move along. But thank you for the call, Diana in Bloomfield, Indiana. Hey, Diana, what's up? Hi. I just don't understand why the Republicans are just so lemming-like in supporting Trump. If they give their power away now and he does get reelected, if he can do whatever he wants, he's not going to need them anymore. You're right. And that's my concern. My concern is that if Trump is reelected, you know, Viktor Orban stood for election in 2010. Hungary was a fully developed, functioning democracy and a member of the European Union and NATO at the time. And in, ten, in nine years now, Viktor Orban has completely flipped Hungary. It's now an autocratic, you know, basically a single party state. And the way that he got there was he was reelected twice and in 2015, 2017. And the EU tried to basically impeach him and it didn't work. And he came back. His cronies, his buddies, his oligarch buddies, his billionaire buddies have bought all the media in Hungary. He has stacked the courts. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, and, and that's what I think is going to happen here if Trump gets reelected. Diana, I'm very concerned. And I'm terrified. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't understand how people do not see this. Yeah, we can't get I've terrified. we survivor stories about the Holocaust, and this is exactly what they talked about. Everybody thought everything was fine, and the next thing you know, the Nazis were marching in. Yeah. But it wasn't fine, and how did they not see that coming? When we can see it coming. I am terrified. Yeah, maybe it's time once again to read from Milton Mayer's book, They Thought They Were Free, because the Germans, I mean, they just, they thought that Hitler was the guy that was saving their country, you know, and in, and in well, some and ways early on he did. that had democracies like Poland and right. Czechoslovakia. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Diana, thank you for the call and uh, appreciate it. And thank you for being with us today. And don't forget, democracy doesn't just happen. You got to spread the word, you got to wake people up, and you have to make sure that they're registered to vote. So get out there, get active, tag your it. And by the way, share with your friends how to find progressive media. There's a lot of great places where you can find progressive media from this program to a whole lot of other really great shows out there. Please tell your friends. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.